All right. Are you ready to begin whatever the fuck this episode is? Never, but let's go anyways. to Imagine Me and Mawar You Penguin Drum. I am Panda. I am your host and I'm here as always with my co-host Alice. How you doing Alice? I'm doing pretty good. I've been listening to audiobooks and rediscovering my joy of eating way too much and the way basically my body weight in pretzels and I think that we will never actually get the Mawar You and the and imagine you, me and Waru, Waru line bread. And you know what? I've actually come to enjoy that. I think it really gives us character. I don't know what you're talking about. I say it perfectly every time. We're also here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Hello. One day, Panda will introduce me as the third co-host. One oh, day. that's true. I didn't... <laughs> Realized that I was doing that until you just brought my attention to it. Oh no, that was supposed to be a joke. Well, yeah, I just like, it never occurred to me that that's technically what I was saying, is that you weren't also a co-host. You know, it, most people are surprised to find out that co-host just isn't like my, um, like my last name. Co-host is your first name, Alice is your middle name that you go by. <laughs> Name co-host occupation co-host. Yeah, it's like it's like how people who have a certain name are more likely to go into a job that has that name. You mean like fucking cutie marks? Well, that I mean, like I cutie heard, marks are real. Cutie and, marks are real. I've so panda heard anecdotally that that's a thing. So um, <laughs> um, uh, hi. We oh yeah we we're also here with our very first a uh, very patient guest for imagine me and Mawar you penguin drum Jeff hey boots hi Jeff hi my dentist is named Doctor Smiley no no I'm not even joking you it's absolutely true you are not being real. Oh, oh, God. I choose to believe that he changed his name. I, I, I hope so. Legally. I certainly hope so. He's just really dedicated to his craft. God, we should not have let them build the HR Collider. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This man looked destiny in the face, and either he is a coward who chose to accept it and went into a field predicted by his name, or he is a hero who chose instead to fight his fate with everything he could and had it legally changed. He revolutionized the world. He's going to revolutionize your mouth, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't like the sound of that. That's a hell of a title. Uh, we can't use it, but God, it would be a hell of a title. I didn't mean it like that! <laughs> Well, anyway, we're here with Jeff. Uh, Jeff is 
has been on the show many times and is also the number one fan of Night Court, my weekly stream of the Ace Attorney games that I do over at twitch.tv slash pandabore. And uh, Jeff, people have heard your history with Usna by now. I want to know your history with Moaru Penguin Drum. Uh, so I downloaded it and started watching it after your initial podcast or like sometime during it because i was looking for more stuff i it was like 2018 or something and i watched like up to like episode like 16 and then just kind of forgot about it and now here i am like oh you start watching it because of us yes well oh, i was also in the, in the una discord but like it wasn't just you but okay. like it was uh, the whole thing i think oh, what it wasn't just us okay just- <laughs> i'm choosing to believe that it's entirely just us we are the only motive force in jeff's life oh yes <laughs> mm, clearly but yeah so what was your initial reaction to penguin drum i okay so you hadn't watched it before 2018 what is your familiarity with the other Ikuni works and how does this fit in? So at that time, I believe that was before Sarazama came out. Yes. So that was the one show I hadn't watched yet by that point. Was Penguin Drum? Yes. Okay. Um, And I think because it's kind of like a little bit tonally and like structured like differently than most of the other anime that like I kind of just like bounced off it at some point. Okay. Because like I, I got into things times like I was like kind of not pay attention enough. And then suddenly I'm like I don't know what the fuck's going on. What's happening? <laughs> and like even for like Nikahara show, like th- it was like more than like normal for that. No, I <laughs> like, absolutely uh... did that in my first watch, which is why watching it now, even though I've seen half the show, I don't remember half of what I watched. Yeah, I only remember a couple high points, most of which became relevant in this episode and there's a couple more things that i I won't say because they're big spoilers but like that's really it like i do not remember like basically anything okay so you specifically requested this episode is there anything that you would like to say about that before we go into like spoiler territory and talk about the actual episode uh i think this one mostly because it's the kind of the first like big reveal of of the show like what's going on right mm-hmm. that that's really about it I, I do love Ringo she's great she's my favorite character <laughs> so far because it's like especially what happened last episode uh during the um the the whole survivor tactic sequence that you probably talked about already mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's extremely good let, let me just grab that hat and go <laughs> <laughs> fuck you hat yeah. <laughs> and then just like spider monkeys out of that fucking hole. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's so, good. so good. Too powerful to be contained. Proving once and for all that Ikihara doesn't in fact know how to make the repeating part of his show different more than one time. Yeah. And it also shows that like that whole sequence is not like a metaphor. Like all that stuff's there. Like you can interact yeah. with that <laughs> until you can't. When you destroyed the whole thing. So who would you say is, if this is a question that you can answer uh, with only spoilers up until this episode, who is your favorite character? Because there are characters that we haven't really met yet. Um, I really do like Ringo a lot. I like her whole deal because it is, it's so fucked up what's happening. And it's not in entirely her fault although like she's making these choices obviously but like there are very good reasons while mm-hmm. why she's doing this thing even though it's not like 
a good thing she's doing, right? Yeah. It's compelling. Oh yeah, definitely. I uh I like Ringo a lot very solidly at this point and this episode is very much a Ringo centric episode. It feels it kind of fucked up but in a sort of like it's fucked up that this is happening unless they fucked up because you're a bad person kind of fucked up yeah. yeah so before we get started uh temperature check how does everyone feel about this episode i mean jeff you obviously like it because you specifically requested it yeah that's it okay <laughs> Al- Cass. positive vibes Cass said what the fuck at least seven times watching this episode that's Loudly. extremely fair. I think this is maybe one of the best episodes so far. I mean, like, it also, like, stressed me out at several points, but that's part of it, I guess. I, I think part of why I like, kind of bounced off the show last time I tried to watch it is, uh, out of all of Ikahara's anime he's done, like, this is the most, this is, like, the least serial show he's done, if that makes sense, right? This is not a show you can skip an episode and, like, know what the fuck's going on. Like, Utena or, like, Penguin Drum, you definitely could. And Yurikuma is kind of a little more, like, narrative through the whole thing. But this one is really, like, you... This is a, a overarching narrative throughout the whole show that you have to be everywhere for to, like, know what hell is happening. I'm going to notice as well. It's a lot more... Its progression is a lot more... Weirdly, it's unconventional for him, but it's conventional for other anime. That was my thought, exactly, yeah. Every episode is a direct story link to the one before... I mean, Yuri Kuma does that too, but Yuri Kuma also has that thing going on where, like, prior to episode five, I was about to say it has that thing going on where prior to episode five, it's kind of impossible to see where it's going to to go, except because, like, none of the foreshadowing it's setting up makes any con- sense without some of the details you get later, and then you realize retroactively what it was doing, but yeah. then... I can't even say that because Penguin Drum has done that same thing like five or six times now. <laughs> like, uh, Penguin Drum is the most prestige television of Ukihara shows, I think. Uh, you got that. You got that right. I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, Penguin Drum is Ikuhara's Breaking Bad. That's an interesting way to put it. And like, I really think that you're right. <laughs> so I guess with that, we can we get into the episode. We open on water and weddings. Yeah, we're in uh, Ginko's room, but or not Ginko. I always do this. (laughs) Ringo's room slash mind palace, where like it's her room, but it's got like the undersea overlay that we are used to from her little mind palace. (laughs) And she is talking about having her first night together with Tabuki. A frankly upsetting way. Uh, Notably, the the dub just never says wedding night. It just says first night every time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) And we also see the uh, aforementioned in a previous episode, butthole anemone. Wow. Do you not... (laughs) Do you not remember... (laughs) I, I vaguely remember this, but I'm broken by it. I hate I hate that you started calling that. I hate it so much. She's she's not wrong. However, we don't need to point it out every time. I don't think it's an important detail. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> I, I, I was about to say, um, Sara's on my did happen. So uh, butthole symbolism. There's a kappa plushie in there and everything. 
I don't know. Maybe Evil Heart was doing this on purpose. I mean, I'm sure he is. But I don't think it's important to, like, the same one. <laughs> it's important in the meta sense. We have to document everything, Jeff. <laughs> so anyway, Project M. This is our first mention of Project M. What could it mean? Who knows? We will find out in this episode. Well, we'll find out part of it. Well, yeah, I meant like we'll I guess we'll find out some shit about. We Project will find M out something for sure. Yeah. Anyway, when it's complete, our fates will be gathered together. Ringo says as we pull off of a shot of uh, her with her parents in a little photo that is set up next to. <laughs> I love that she just wakes up. It's like screaming about wedding night. Yeah. Okay. So, um. Not to just be, like, horrible again, but I do have a question. Mm-hmm. So, I watched the English version, the English dub version of this episode, and I I can't account for the original Japanese, but she sounds kind of... Yes, it's a little upsetting. A panda. It, it, it I, just had a th- I just had a terrible, terrible thought. Yeah? So, yeah. Ringo was just dreaming just then. About a room that was just flooded with water. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't want to say it. Well, I mean, I was, I was tr- kind Jeff, of implying. Are you, are you implying that Ringo was in fact having a wet dream? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of. Thank you. I have taken one for the team. We can all go home now. You, yeah, you really have, because that's where I was headed as well. And I'm glad that we can talk about this like mature adults. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm in my mid thirties. I, I kind of assumed that was was happening, which is why I was like, and also it's upsetting earlier because I, yeah! I frankly just assumed. No, I'm pretty sure that that's what's even going if it's on. It's not supposed to be what's happening. I'm definitely sure that I'm supposed to think about that potentially be what's happening. And I can't tell if this is like a supposed to be this was happening as a sort of like upsetting in the I can't tell why this is here. Is this supposed to be here to upsetting in the sort of way that like the Shinji hospital scene is or like why am no! I watching this? Why am I here? No. Or, and it fails to do that? Or is this supposed to be a dirty joke that Ikuni is playing on me? And I don't like either of those options. Hey, hold on. I would like to stay here. I believe that there are two options for what has happened here. And both of them are pretty uh, horny. One of them is either Ringo has had a wet dream or Ringo was uh, having a party for one, let's say. And I don't think that I, I don't think either of those no, 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 are, okay. are bad or no, 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 shameful. No, no. I, that's not what I mean. That's or not what a I mean. cruel okay. joke played upon you, Alice. No, no, let me back up. Let me back up. I'm not talking about what's being depicted. Okay. Um, that was the only example I could give. I would like okay. to acknowledge that as a bad example. Okay. What I mean by this is I'm not sure why it's there because I'm not sure taking for granted the idea that everything you see in like a physical me- uh, and sort of like visual media like this is here for a reason and not just because you would see it because they could you what, what you see is controlled, right? Yeah. It being here is for a specific reason like on a Doylean level uh-huh. of the creator. And I'm like, I couldn't, I, I was, I remember I'm sitting here watching this. I'm like, Am I supposed to feel uncomfortable having okay. this happen in front of me? 
like I have when I when I mentioned that specific infamous scene, I meant more in the sort of am I supposed to feel uncomfortable right now? Okay. Or is this a am I supposed to feel like this like it, it, or is this supposed to be sort of like a chuckle worthing in the sense that like all ring a lot of Ringo's sort of obsession tapuki has swerved between this is really weird and fucked up and this is actually she's her antics are funny mm-hmm. and i wasn't sure if it was supposed to be one of those poles that she has gone between the the problem with this is that we have a direct answer which is the punchline of this sequence is ringo jumping out of her bed in full pajamas clearly not in any state of afterglow screaming wedding night like she's just woken up late for school so the the answer is that whatever was going on where we were hearing that audio that was not happening in real time that is a thing that was probably happening the night before in some capacity either as a dream or as whatever and the punchline is Ringo is still a mess okay I mean I would like to say that I don't think that I I don't discount the possibility that that something was happening in media res just because of how like the way she reacted she was also like very flushed i don't i yeah. feel weird down the specifics yeah, I mean, of this, the, the I I for that later this episode though you understand why i'm like like i feel like kudia's playing a dirty joke on, on me because like now we have to have now we have to talk about it Kunihiko Ikahara did not factor into when making this show that several lesbians and one Jeffrey would be talking about this episode. You can't possibly know that. Oh, we, I think we've established many times that he, in fact, definitely knew in a kind of witchy and all mind way because there's just been too many things that are directly anticipating me existing, coming, showing up, and watching them. <laughs> Anyways, theme song time. Yeah. I love this theme song. We have plenty of uncomfortable and horny things to talk about throughout this episode, so we don't need to get too hung up now. Can't get bogged down. We were not even a minute into the actual episode. I'm so sorry that was my fault because (laughs) I was trying to explain an idea which was not that weird and I made it weird on purpose and now I can't unsay it. It's terrible. It's fine. I, I really do love the opening in this and the closing. It's, it's so like the good. genre music I like the most. Oh, so so like, good. I have this song stuck in my head constantly. This and the closing song. It's a good song. I'm stuck in your head. And Rock Over Japan. I get Rock Over Japan stuck in my head the most. I, I listened to song. the full version of that today. Did you know there's like a cool ass guitar solo in the middle of that fucking song? It's I great. did. Yeah, it's great. Alice, you should definitely listen to the extended version of Rock Over Japan someday. I wasn't aware there was an extended version. Oh, yeah. It's like five minutes long. Oh, wow. I should. There's a whole Penguin Drum OST. I should then, because like, I actually really like J-Rock, generally. You like the music in this show, for sure. I mean, all the music in the show has been pretty phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. Even like even compared to other horror stuff. Didn't they basically like put together like, a small like three-lady idol group to do a bunch of the songs for this? I believe that is the case, yes. Yeah, because Triple H. I mean, yeah, like, in story, there is, like, the Triple H, Double H idol group. Uh, They are both of those things. So, first of all, let's get some intrigue going. Um, Kanba has come to see Asami Kuho in the hospital, and she doesn't remember who he is, despite being the leader of his League of Evil Ex-Girlfriends. 
Notably, the sign with, like, her name on it at the hospital has a little penguin emblem on it. We're just gonna see those penguin emblems everywhere on a lot of things, but I think it's notable when they come up. Yeah, well, I mean, the last thing we saw was her getting pushed down an escalator. So, like, this (laughs) isn't super unusual. However... Not that. It was the last time we saw her, she got uh, headshot. Oh, that yes. was that. I thought it was this episode that happened. Okay. No, that, that happened uh, the very last end, right? Yes. Yeah. At the very end of the last episode. And she went down, like, that was a long escalator she went down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, she, she took a pretty bad fall. That's why she's in the hospital. And then she got headshot, which is why she has the little um, bandage on her head, and also why she doesn't appear to remember Kanba, most likely. Most likely, I've watched the episode. I know why. She keeps asking, "Who are you?" And Kanba is confused. Yeah, like no memory of him, despite the fact that he apparently dated her and dumped her. Which you know, this is a good time for Kanba. He can like you know exercise his charm again. Maybe make something <laughs> more of this you know relationship. This is a unique opportunity. Why is he so distressed? Everything's working out great for him. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like, he would be better off with her not remembering him. Kaba, do you, do you want a League of Evil Exes? <laughs> do, you, do you want to be Ramona Flowers? Because this is how you end up as Ramona Flowers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back to the actual episode of Mawaru Penguin Drum that we are watching. Asami thinks that Kanba is some weird crazy fan and is threatening to call for help with her little hospital buzzer. The the nurse call button. Yep. Also, there is a little what looks like a wrapper on the ground. Uh, we will find out what this is later, but it has the little penguin emblem on it. It's almost like a paintball. Yeah, or like the wrapper for like a, a ball of chocolate. Yeah. yeah. The, like I, the first thing I thought of was like a discarded candy wrapper. Kanba has discovered that he has been texted by someone who said, I know the item you're looking for, and said a little, yay, face. Yeah, uh, those are called uh, cow emoji, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. It's very cute. Yeah, those have been a thing forever. Yeah, cow emoji, when you do, like, the uh, intricate faces. Mm-hmm. And Asahi's eyes are just fucking empty. Anyway, it's time to get on the train. Mm-hmm. Shinjuku time! So Himari and Ringo are on the train and talking to each other. And today's Double H promo is... Watch out for the painful trap by your feet. And the little thing is just them setting a uh, bear trap for a dude. I love their little faces. (laughs) Maliciously. They enjoy it. They enjoy causing pain. Shoma and Ringo on the train headed to Shinjuku. And Ringo mentions that... uh, if Shoma tries to take her diary again or peek in it, uh, it will be set on fire. Which is a conversation they've apparently bad had before this, because Shoma actually finishes her sentence for her. And I love this little gag of Penguin Number Two eating out of a bag of peeled chestnuts and pulling out a chestnut that's still in its spiky shell and like <laughs> shoving it into its beak. Like, <laughs> he's a little I bit. didn't know that's what chestnuts looked like. Yeah, that's what's going on there. Yeah, because she has to complete a mission, even even for her door, her mori, she has to she has to do it right. She can't stop. Can't stop my mission. Can't stop Project M. Da, 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 da. And Shoma's like Project Marriage. What the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> he's not wrong, but he's also not correct. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Love, 
I just love his expression here. Where he's like, oh God. And I also like that for this little tiny sequence, they both go into limited palette. So Ringo is in all red tones and Shoma is in all blue tones. And Ringo just basically, God, I'm sorry to cut back. I think my number two is still eating the chestnuts, but it's clearly got the spiny one in its cheek and it's just in suffering. It's, <laughs> its little eyes are watering. This poor baby. This is such a good little visual gag uh, to un- to underscore the fact that uh, Shoma is having to do something unpleasant for Ringo, namely help her with this weird toxic crush on Tapuki. Meanwhile, in Higashi Koenji. So this is later, I guess technically not meanwhile because. Yeah. Sho is helping Ringo carry a bunch of stuff from her room, including her plushies and her mattress, uh, out of the apartment. And she tells him that he is pathetic because he can't lift everything and that she'll kill him if he drops anything. He is carrying a lot of stuff right now. Yeah, yeah. he has a full mattress, which I would not be able to lift on my own. Plus, like, it has strapped to it, like, some boxes and a big stuffed octopus. Yep. And then he steps on the Kappa and Otter plushies and Ringo absolutely just body checks him, knocks him over and threatens his life because how dare, how dare you step on my babies? You just stepped on Cappy and Audie. Cappy. She, she calls them Rachan and Kachan in Japanese, which is just, it's, it's just a cutesy name for a Kappa and an Otter. She apologizes to the plushies, which I mean, same. Look, if I had those plushies, I would talk to them in this exact tone of voice. I like how Shoma like fixates on this as, as if it's like the weird part here when like none of this is not weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love that his tie is still perfectly tucked into his school uniform, despite the fact that he's on his side. It's easier to draw that way. I know. It's great, though. It, it, it adds like some levity to the proceedings. Uh, and Wingo informs him that they're family, so of course we'll always be together. That is a line that by the end of the episode is going to be a bit more of a wham than I expected. Yeah, just to put that in your back pocket for later. Yeah. Poor poor Penguin number two is still eating the fucking chestnuts and still in pain. Yeah, it looks like the spiky one is gone, but there's still like a bunch of red marks on its face from where it was inside his mouth, I guess, because it pierced through the whole way. I guess? I guess? <laughs> this penguin's had suffering inflicted on it. But I guess it's good for him that he is on top of the mattress that Joe is carrying on his back. Yo. Anyway, off to Okikubo, where Kanba is... Con- oh, no, sorry, that's the next scene. Uh, it's just, they have hauled everything, potentially by foot, because there's no way they could have gotten this on a fucking train to Tabaki's house. I want to believe that because we continue with the train motif in the transitions that we are supposed to theoretically believe that they took this stuff on a train i know that realistically there's no way he would get that mattress on a train but like not not in japan but as, it's very funny though as far as the show goes i think we are not meant to think that they walked the entire way here I, I think that we are, and it's just a, a cute way of doing the transition, because... Hmm. But you, you might be right, because it doesn't look like it's that much later in the afternoon. Listeners, write in. Yeah. Do you think you could get that 
that wad of stuff on a train, even in a cartoon. Vote now on your phones. Leave your comments down below. I think you could do it, but it would not be easy. And Ringo, as soon as they've made it to their destination, grabs, tells Shoma, why are you resting? Move, move, move. Grabs all the stuff, hides it under a tarp, which doesn't look suspicious. Yeah, it looks like a fucking, like, like a, <laughs> like someone put a grill out there and just got covered for the winter or something. Yeah. A very big and elaborate grill. It's very obvious. Like, this is not, she says hide. Possibly but, like, two grills. <laughs> there could be a whole car under that thing. Two grills? Two grills for double the grill dad power. <laughs> A family can be two grill dads. It's so that you can have one for all of the meats and a smaller grill for your vegetarian options. Because you're and, being inclusive. Yeah. And, and Shoma does know that this is Tabuki's house because they're in the same neighborhood as their house. And also, he's their home teacher. So he's like seeing his address like on the, the contact forms. Yeah. And Ringo reiterates... Again, this appears to be a thing that they've talked about before. She is going to have Shoma obey her in exchange for letting him borrow her diary when all this is over. And Shoma's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. And poor Penguin number two spilled his bag of chestnuts and a bunch of ants have carried them all away. And he's just watching. (laughs) He is in suffering. This poor baby. Ringo says that they have to get all of her stuff moved by the end of the day. And now we come to uh, an age-old question. Is ice cream a sexy food? Vote now on your phones. In in this scene, yes, it is. (laughs) Ikuhara back on his bullshit. Uh, We get a shot, an establishing shot of Kanba interrogating the other two members of his League of Evil evil Ex-Girlfriends. Then like a a food court on a roof or something. (laughs) They were at the peach place. uh, Like food courts on the roof very common in Japan, in my experience, in Tokyo for several days. And there's, like, some kind of, like, McDonald's-ass play place in the background. It's, like, a bunch of balls connected together or something. Yeah, I never saw anything like that. They're, like, they look like pe- big peaches. Those do, are not peaches. Do you mean pears, maybe? Pears. Thank you. Pears. I'm thinking pears. Yeah. They do, um, I, I think this is supposed to look like a specific thing, but I can't remember the name of it right now. There is a kind of... It reminds me a little bit of a horse apple, not the poop kind, the the other kind. The the one like a, a growth that trees get sometimes. Obviously he is in the durian poop. <laughs> <laughs> they do look kind of like pears. Anyway, they're in front of the hell pears, and uh Kanba is interrogating the remaining members of the league because he's trying to figure out who messaged him online to say that they know what he's after and both of them deny you know sending the message and Kanba realizes there must be someone orchestrating events behind the scenes in some way and says hey I hope you both know they're more dangerous than they look something happened to Asami and both of them are like did something happen and they begin teasing Kanba because apparently he's gotten a new girlfriend again, which is not a thing we've seen. So this might just be hearsay. Yeah, I wonder if they are maybe talking about Ringo in some way. Like, Probably not, because he hasn't really spent any time with her. Not publicly, definitely. It also may be the fact that like he's been disappearing a lot to do something True. that we haven't really seen yet. True. Right. 
Yeah. Also, someone has a fucking sniper thing set up. It, it, it's what's her name? We've heard her name already. Uh, Natsume. Natsume. Thank you. I almost said Natsume, and I was like, that's not quite it. <laughs> so Natsume has her laser, which we her fucking slingshot, which we now find out has a laser scope. Yeah, it has a scope and a laser, which is ridiculous. I am a hundred and ten percent obsessed. I am obsessed with her sniper slingshot. So this is a a real like it's not exactly a real thing because like you would never put an extra like scope on a fucking <laughs> wrist rocket, but. Th- these are real things you can buy. They're called wrist rockets. It's slingshots that have like a, a brace on the back of them to like brace against your forearm to stabilize them, so you can get more like pull weight on the on the draw of it. These things can like kill small animals that they use for hunting, and they can definitely like, really hurt somebody. I don't think you could like kill a person, but they're they're very dangerous. Like these are things that like you have to be careful with because you could very easily like, knock someone's eye out, or, like give them a concussion or something. This is like I want to go hunting, but I don't want to own a gun. Yeah, and also, like, it's Japan, so this is actually a more feasible weapon to have than a handgun, because yeah. they're very controlled over there. I'm sorry, I'm just, I wish you could see the look on my face right now, anyway. <laughs> Panda just was considering, should I get a wrist rocket? I just assumed that this was some Ikuhara bullshit. It well, it's, it is. I, I mean, mean okay, it's yeah. real thing that has eco bullshit stacked on top of it. Yeah, they, I mean, I assumed that it was 100% Ikohara bullshit, and you're telling me that it's only about 60% Ikohara bullshit, which yeah, is like, much, much less than I was anticipating. Putting a scope and a laser on a, on a slingshot is impractical, because just, they don't work that way. Things arc. They're not bullets. Well, the rule of Ikuhara is that if it's cool, it can work. Yeah. Speaking of cool Ikuhara things, so number one, that fucking draw that Natsume is doing here is obscene. Yeah, that is about how it would be in a, a real wrist rocket that far back. Yeah. Because you can do it because that brace on her arm lets you not have to just rely on your wrist strength to hold it. Yeah. And Kanba has realized, oh god, someone's about to shoot the girl I'm talking to. But being from Japan, he does not fully understand what that means. Nice pause. <laughs> oh yeah, I managed to pause right as uh, one of the girls got beamed in the forehead with one of these penguin bullets. And down she goes. She gets up, acts a little bit confused as to what the hell is going on, and goes like, what is this, bird poop? Notably, she's not, she's still acting like herself at this yeah. point. Uh-huh. And just as her friend goes like, that's too big to be bird poop, Natsume beans her too. And the scene has started on a kind of comic tone, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So it's time to slowly proceed to a more disturbing one. Oh yeah, I love I love the sequence here. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, Okama tries to puzzle out where the fuck this mysterious sniper is coming from. And he's just looking around at all the various places it could be. By the way, Penguin number one has ripped open a fucking porn mag, which it is now very very proud to have it acquired. I it looks kind of like nervous. Yeah, it's like I've been found out. Oh shit. <laughs> it's more like the little determined expression it always has. Yeah. I I mean, I I took that as he's nervous to have been interrupted looking at the the horny magazine. Yes, I I think that's a grab your mag. 
is what's going on there. So there are a lot of things that are kind of suspicious in the immediate area and Kanba's kind of like, what could be an indicator of whoever is doing this? Yeah, there's a big penguin on like a billboard, like the, the logo that we've been seeing all over the place. Yeah. yeah. And as he's doing this, one of the girls says his name and asks him, how could you? I'm the only one. I thought you said I was the only one you love. And as they start saying this and kind of insulting each other and fighting in weird and uncomfortable ways, the R slur gets dropped in the subtitles. Yeah, it's like really stilted and like... They start to yell at Kanba and then turn on each other and it's also like it's the tone doesn't change they don't look at each other either so it's like it's like really strange they yeah. they sound a little robotic and possibly like brain dead a little bit monotone. yeah monotone yeah and one of them just has her head explode or like the the penguin bullet on her head kind of explodes and we get a classic ikuhara black figures against red background yeah yeah this is this is a pretty common thing in anime too in general for like blood like stuff like that like that's not just your heart doing this kind of thing like no but it's a big thing like samurai movies too that they do that way so it's very clearly a, but uh, it is a, one of his hallmarks yeah anyway uh she did She's not actually dead, but she dead. And then her friend has the exact same thing happen. Her eyes like bulging. Yep. Yeah, the animation gets kind of wonky in a really. It's really visual. Way. I love the shot of like Penguin One be like looking into his little gravure bag, and then this girl's body flops down right behind him like a horror movie. <laughs> it's like disturbed so disturbed just put down the magazine visceral is the right word i think so uh the members of the league of evil ex-girlfriends are all dead they are not actually dead they are probably memory wiped in the same way asami was Mm -hmm. but notably when the uh penguin bullets have done their thing they fall off of their heads and break on the ground and they look just like the discarded rapper thing that kanba found in asami's a uh, hospital room. Dun dun dun. away after saying, gosh, I must crush him soon. It's really wild how quickly we learned what that was. Yeah. Like, literally, from the moment they are introduced to the moment we find out what they are, if you count last episode as their first appearance, since technically we saw them uh, when Natsume first pulled out the slingshot then, mm-hmm. it is one episode's worth of wait time literally kind of less than an episode because we're not we're 10 minutes into this one and we got shown them at like the tail end of the last we are almost halfway through the episode yeah Yeah. i also want to point out there was another dub sub difference right there in that scene Mm -hmm. um as natsume is walking away in the dub she says this situation must be crushed in the sub he says he i must crush him specifically soon so like he's he's specifically talking about about our, our boy Kama there in, in the sub. I don't know why they changed that. It might just be like a vague chess thing, but like, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Shoma's tired. He's so tired. He's lying on Ringo's couch. Uh, and Ringo is deeply annoyed about this because it's an important night. He, he has to keep carrying her stuff. How dare he? <laughs> Continued, we keep you alive to serve my obsessions. Bro, well... Uh, Penguin number one is drinking the mayonnaise out of the bottle in the fridge because... Yeah, that that good, good Cupid mayo. (laughs) 
Dear Japan, I understand that your mayonnaise is a different consistency and culinary equivalent than our mayonnaise, but also, what the fuck is wrong with you? Have you had QB mayo? Yes, I have some in my fridge right now. My brother sent me some. Well, Cass, have you had QB mayo? Do I need to have to think this is gross? I was just wondering. No. Like, I, I, I was just curious. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, like, I don't think it is worth slurping out of the bottle by itself but like it's not a drink no yes i think that you know like you might benefit from trying it sometime it is good it's basically mayo but they make it predominantly with the yolks instead of the whites yeah it's it's so sweeter. The problem here is i don't like mayo at the best of times or eggs mm, well i mean yeah but it, it doesn't taste like eggs but yeah not liking mayo i guess I don't know, but you should at least try it for science. There's also a very well-stocked fridge that I'm looking at here. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I guess she has to have a well-stocked fridge because uh, Ringo's mom expects her to fend for herself most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been there. So Ringo announces that she's moving to a new home, and she aggressively tries to pull Shoma off the couch, and he's just like, fucking nope. (laughs) I cannot stand. I'm so tired. I am tired. I have hauled your shit all over town. Which is, I think, how all of us felt after you guys helped me move into my new place a couple months ago. This is me at the end of the day. Yeah. (laughs) And then suddenly... Ringo just flushes bright red and drops Shoma, drops on top of him starts kind of rubbing her body against him weirdly and in a delirious voice just says wedding nights yeah it's, it's very clear that she's been like really over herself this whole day because she's got like bags under her eyes even before she started doing this so like she's feverish she's she's delirious yeah, yeah her her whole face is red her pupils are wobbly and she's just saying wedding nights so shoma is currently being attacked by a zombie Tonight's the wedding night. Yeah, she is like really gyrating against him. I have to feel it on my skin like the diary says. So, poor Shoma is having- What a hell of a thing to say, I'm sorry. What a hell of a line. Experience. It looks like Ringo is trying to mount him based on the angle of this shot. Penguin number one is fucking <laughs> out of the jar and it is a whole thing. It is a liquid with a certain consistency, actually. This was about when I texted the group chat with the two of you, Allison Cass, asking if you guys had watched the episode yet. Just to warn us that this was coming, yeah. And then your mom walks in. It's so good. If you describe this, it would sound like, oh, that sounds like it would be kind of weirdly upsetting. But it's not. It's just kind of like, it happens. You, You can't even, like really understand what is occurring in front of you. Th- this is one of the many points where I said, what the fuck? Yeah, and there's, like, at no point here, Shoma is absolutely, like, do, get off me, do not do this, what was happening, I don't like this. Like, there's nothing, like, he, like, it's very clear, like, this is distressing for him in a way that yeah. is very obvious. And as he, like, angrily pushes Ringo off of him to try and explain himself to her mother, he realizes that she is running an actual fever. So Ringo is not doing well, and we get a flashback to Ringo's childhood. She gets up to tell her parents she has to pee and accidentally overhears them arguing about something. In this case, we didn't get the flashback stuff. This I think it's actually like a fever she's having like right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
but this this is clearly in the events of this fever dream are definitely things that she remembers. Yeah. Kind of blending together with her fever dream because it, it goes full fever dream in a little bit. Yeah. But it starts off relatively played like an actual flashback. Yeah, we see Ringo like as a child and then like an indeterminate age, but probably very young. Yeah, she is let me think. She is how old at the start of the anime? She's, I believe, like she. There, all uh, the the hit her and Shomer are sixteen, I believe. Yeah, and the, six years ago is when she met Tabuki. When she looks a little older than this, so she would have been ten. She must be like six or seven years old in this bit. I think it's six because it's something that is said in the scene. Yeah. So Ringo and his mom and dad are arguing about about what's going on and whether or not. So there's some stuff going on here. Like, her dad kind of implies that it is sad that Ringo's birthday always falls on Curry Day, which is kind of weird. Why would that be a sad thing? And then her mom mentions that it's their duty as parents to remember Momoka forever. I think this is the first time in the whole show Momoka's name has been mentioned. Yes, this is the first we are hearing of the character named Momoka, who we are about to learn more about in this episode they are talking about uh specifically how i guess this year ringo's birthday also falls on the anniversary of momoka's death or or not well that'd be every year okay every year yeah i i realized as i was saying that 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 didn't make sense but yeah like so they're talking about the fact that that like uncomfortable i think her dad is kind of going like it's uncomfortable we do the remembrance day for momoka's death every year on the day we should be celebrating ringo's birthday yeah okay yeah like we we should not be maybe lumping these things together because we're probably going to give our kid a complex and it also yeah and like it seems like she's young enough here recently it may this may be the first time she's actually kind of realizing what's happening here Mm -hmm. at all even though she may have been like vaguely aware of of something be happening in the background and, and basically the conflict that she's seeing here is her father's like, we have to somehow move on this a little bit for the sake of our living daughter. And the mother is like, no, we can't forget about our, the child that we lost. And they're, neither of them is wrong, right? They're both dealing with this grief in like a different way. Mm-hmm. But the way that Ringo is seeing it is kind of basically blowing them up to like the two extreme positions here, right? Yeah. Where, like, the father's, like, callously dismissing this child who's gone, and the mother's, like, just obsessive, obsessed with the the loss, right? Yeah. And it's probably, this, this probably is not the actual reality of the situation, right? But it's how a child is seeing it. Oh, yeah. And, like, there's definitely something between them, because, as we know in the present, they're divorced, so. And, by the way, we do see Ringo's eyes just kind of, like, widen in shock, and this is the point where we go full fever dream. Because she imagines, <laughs> she imagines her stuffies in the role of her mother and father. Her kappa is her mother, and the otter is her father. And they get into a much more exaggerated art version of the same argument we just heard. Kind of like, as Jeff said. Uh, specifically, one of the things they say is, we'll pour all our love for Momoko into Ringo. Isn't that what we agreed on five years ago? Yep. So Ringo was born, apparently, almost as soon as Momoka died. Like, it wasn't just that 
she happened to be born very close to the day that Momoka happened to die. It's it's the same. It's literally the same day. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally on the same day. Whether it, I, it there's no indication yet whether it's like the literal like her sister died on the day she was born or like it just her birthday. Like we, it doesn't say either way. But it, it happened long enough ago from this point that like Ringo would not remember Momoka. Yes, she she never met. And Ringo's daddy says it's fate. To which Ringo's mom replies, it's too cruel. Uh, I did. I noticed something in this episode, too, around that. So in the subs, it's, the, it's pretty consistent just using fate for, like, all these situations whenever they're talking about, like, things that have been, you know, foreseen to happen. But specifically with Ringo, when she is working out of the diary in the, in the dub and talking about getting together with Tabaki, she always says destiny instead, which I think makes sense. Because kind of contextually in English, destiny is kind of a more positive verb of, of noun, I guess, for that than fate is. So it kind of makes sense there. It's the same thing in Japanese both times, though. It's a it's always unne. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of like this awkward thing because it's supposed to kind of carry both meanings. Yeah. And I wrote down that the moray eel here represents divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love the I'm a more eel. First of all, I love that like the until the fight happens, this flashback that we're seeing through Ringo's point of view is presented as kind of being it's fairly in, straightforward in environment. Like it's the way her house actually looks. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the fight gets bad, bubbles come up and the sea overlay that we've seen the entire time that we've been kind of like in her head takes over i love this pop-up video ass like caption for the <laughs> eel that says gangster of the sea more eel yep and i'm the more eel and yeah so more eel just fucking slides out of ringo's room uh if you look very closely by the way it is also a plushie yeah this eel is like obliterating the kitchen table right now it's very big now like it got bigger between the cut here yeah it looks absolutely ginormous as it barrels through the kitchen table and it leaves the poor stuffies on their backs crying yeah the implication here is while this difference between the parents is probably irreconcilable i mean i'm sure it was other things too because like you know having a change loss like that is is trying in a family right Mm -hmm. but it's this very well implying that ringo feels like this is not because of her but she gets in her head that, well... If Momoka were still around... She understands that if Momoka were still around, this would not have happened. Yes. And that in some way, her being here is, like, a less good than if Momoka were here. And in this moment, she realizes she knows what fate is. If she can become Momoka, then her parents won't fight, and they won't split up. Yes, it is a, a very a very child way of, like, dealing with this thing that they don't understand right the problem is though now Ringo's 16 and she's still doing it yes we'll be together as a family right and now we get a real flashback yep this is six years after that flashback yep so six years later she she would have been four then because she's like 10 years old in this flashback i think we decided um i think she was at least five because they said they had talked about this five years ago yeah and oh you're right you're right yeah it seems like so she's probably 11. Yeah, 10 or 11 or something. 10 or 11. And we've seen this scene before. 
of of Tabaki, Ringo, and Ringo's mom sitting at the table eating curry. Yeah, what we now see is some some of it that we didn't see previously, which is that the reason Tabuki was invited over is he was specifically Momoka's friend. The two of them had been close. So part of why Ringo has been so obsessed with Tabuki is not just, oh, you know, kid got crush on hot teacher. It's Ringo is specifically Momoka, you know, had a relationship with Tabuki. And so Ringo has to have that same one or she can't become Momoka. Although it's really implying here that like this is like Tabaki in like high school at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really kind of implying that this was when he and Momoka were kids that he knew her. Yeah. And it's not like they were like around each other as like teenagers and like actually like, dating or anything. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Well, they were at, they were at least close enough that Momoka has I guess we can spoil it, because everyone who's going to be listening to this will hopefully have watched the episode. We'll get that in like two minutes, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. They were at least close enough that Momoka's diary is full of things she did or wanted to do with Tabuki. So Momoka, whatever age they were, Momoka clearly liked him. And from the way Tabuki is about to talk about her for the rest of this sequence, he clearly liked her too. Yeah, he says Momoka was my everything as a child. Yeah, so, you know, would they have, like, you know, grown up and gotten married? Who knows? But they definitely liked each other as kids. And they definitely were old enough to kind of, like, be experiencing the beginnings of, like, romantic feelings. Mm -hmm. So, by the way, I love this sequence because I love Tabuki in this sequence because what he tries to do here is really sweet. Mm-hmm. Ringo is asking him a very normal question about like was Momoka that special you know what why why does everyone think of Momoka so highly and he tries to explain grief to a child who is not really old enough to have gone through the whole thing and the feeling of like I've lost somebody replaceable to someone who he can't really who can't possibly understand that and he uses the metaphor of like can you remember what it was like before you knew how to ride a bicycle? Like, if I told you to ride a bicycle right now and act like you couldn't, could you possibly do that? And she's kind of like, no, I I don't think I could, like, go back to... I could act like I didn't know, but I couldn't go back to not knowing how to ride. And he explains that the way Momoka helped him kind of see the entire world is to him, like riding a bicycle he he's forgotten how to see the world in any other she was so important to him that his entire perspective on the world has irrevocably changed it's a very touching sequence here it is god also like in his little flashback there is a little silhouette for a little bit that looks like it might be supposed to be uh momoka riding a bike with him uh sitting on the back and holding onto her shoulders yeah, like, it's a metaphor, but also I think it's actually literal. Like, I think she did. He's about to ride a bike. It makes it would make sense. Yep. <laughs> I also like that they're in the frog park. Yeah. This is cute. Um, and here we get another thing that's kind of been a, weirdly enough, a recurring element of Ringo's stories. Tabuki brings up Cat, and he specifically talks about Schrodinger's cat. Do you want to explain Schrodinger's cat for our audience? I could do it. Schrodinger's cat is a thought experiment. Uh, it's about quantum mechanics, basically, where you have a animal, a cat in this case, in a box that you cannot observe within. Also within the box is a vial of like radioactive substance that 
you don't know whether it is a is broken or not broken. If it's broken, the cat's dead. If it's not broken, the cat's alive. And so until you actually observe the inside of the box, the cat's both alive and dead at the same time until you like collapse that waveform and observe what's actually happened. And the actual answer is, witches did it. <laughs> a wizard did it. <laughs> Very small bombs did it. I, I'm sorry, can I have just like 40 seconds? No. Yes. Yes. Okay, so the thing that they don't tell you about Schrodinger's cat thought experiment is that it's the real meaning of it is not that he was proposing that's how you should read it. The Schrodinger's cat is a performance art piece. Schrodinger is was essentially trying to argue that the Copenhagen interpretation of, of quantum physics was stupid by saying, "Okay, well, if you're if that's what you think, then this is what you would have to agree with," kind of thing, and then accidentally made the Copenhagen understanding of quantum physics have the best analogy for how it works ever and now it's what everyone knows he was just too smart <laughs> yeah he fucking played himself he was trying to do a this is how dumb you look and then and, and just actually made them win and was like but actually that's a good way to say it okay i'm sorry i just need i need to get that out <laughs> i knew that was the story you were going to tell and i had three Umineko references i had to do and i'm sorry i also <laughs> want to point out in the scene that at the beginning of the scene there were two cats in the park and then after the the explanation about the bike and the loss there's only one oh, cat in the one, scene now. i know oh come on man oh but one does, one does come up yeah one of them comes back one more thing. Tabaki does say, like, the, the your standard, like, when someone has a loss, like, it, it, there's some sort of plan here, right? And he's like, well, that's kind of what I want to believe. But, like, it's hard. Like, he, it's really obvious that he's, like, kind of not, he's just, he's saying it, he doesn't, like, believe that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when you've actually been hit with, like, the actual loss, like, it, it, it just seems senseless, right? Like, it's like, well, how could there be part of any, any, any plan? Because I have been so utterly damaged by this thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, like, empty words. And unfortunately, little baby Ringo takes that a bit too seriously. She goes like, what if the fate's design, what was the fate's design for me? Well, clearly it was to be Momoka. I will use her diary. And so now we know, I mean, I guess kind of why all of the things in Ringo. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I just now know there's a death note under it. (laughs) Wait, what? Look at the screen. Look, I'm No. No. What the hell? Listener, this is not a rehearsed thing. We none of us saw this. I didn't notice that either. Okay, yeah. For for the listeners, um, we can very clearly see underneath the Momoka diary is a copy of the death note from death what the note. hell what the hell it really does look like that's what it is yes oh. this is it we found it we found Pinky Cootie this is the meanest thing he's ever done she's all like this mission must have a meaning and uh, see literal. and while in the background the god of this world is just like lol what if the scene was a joke <laughs> That was the meaning, Ringo. The meaning was that you existed so that he could make a death note joke. Grab the wrong book. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. Well. I'll write down the world's fate here. I'll collapse the waveform. Oh, my gosh. She's a friend of, she's a friend of Wigner. Okay, keep going. I'm not going to get into that. 
Yeah, I was about to say, do not explain that because we do not have time. We do not. We've had too many tangents this episode already. When the future written here becomes true, everything pressed to me will become eternal. So, yeah, Ringo and apparently uh, Ringo's mom is actually pretty dece. She is sure with Shoma, uh, tea and little uh, shortbread cookies. Yep, the Yoko's, the Yoshi cookies. She's not a regular mom. She's a cool mom. I want those fucking shortbreads. Yeah, they look really I good. I need to make one after this episode's done. So Ringo's mom kind of fusses over Ringo and goes like, I can't believe she collapsed. I'm so glad that a good boy like yourself happened to walk by. He has clearly created a cover story for why all this happened and why he was with her. Yep. And he's so happy to have had it go off without a hitch until she just goes, by the way, how long have you been dating my daughter? <laughs> he just spits out his tea. <laughs> She's just like, you don't have to lie to me. No, I'm, I'm cool. It's very obvious he's lying, but she doesn't know what he's lying about, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and she goes to the obvious conclusion of, okay, you're, you're obviously Ringo's boyfriend and you felt awkward. Which is a pretty plausible explanation for what happened. And Shoma tells her a half-truth, which is that she's Ringo's very close with his younger sister. And, you know, obviously he's not going to tell her about the hat and everything. Yeah. And the mom's like, oh, dang. Well, that, well that's not exciting. But it seems she likes you. And she kind of mentions that maybe uh, it shows uniform that kind of, like, eases her mind a little bit. And Which is... The same Yoko Tabaki has because he's teaching at the school he went to, so it's the same you know, boy's outfit at that boy's school. Yeah, and apparently her mom knows that Ringo is still... I don't think her mom knows that Ringo is stalking Tabaki, but she knows her daughter was very fond of Tabaki. Yeah, and she mentions that Ringo has a friend who is a teacher, and so yep. this is how Tabuki enters into the conversation. And shows like, oh yeah, it's my homeroom teacher. Penguin number one is still drinking that mayo. This is a different, this is a new one. Yeah, I was going to bag. say, this he, is he, a... He got the new mayo. It's, it's Penguin brand mayo. It is the same kind of mayo, but he emptied the last bottle and has taken the new one from Ringo's mom's groceries that she just brought in. Shoma asks how they are acquainted with Tabuki. And this is how we learned that Ringo's older sister was in classes with him. Yep. So they were in his grade. Yeah. And, you know, Shoma's like, oh, she has an older sister? Yeah, but she's dead. Well, she says it more gently than that. But, yes. Yeah, th- th- that is the kind of the, the species of revelation Shoma's just received. And here we get confirmation that what Ringo wants to do is she wants to become Momoka. Because, like, in her mind, this will make everything go back to the way it was. But you can't go back. Yeah, it's not that she wants to become Momoka. It's that she feels that she has to become Momoka. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is really the most tragic thing about this, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, I... My, my read on this, despite the way that she's been acting, like, I think she has, like, worked herself up into a frenzy where she has like, convinced herself that she has these feelings of Tabaki, even if she doesn't actually. But at this point, it's been so long that it's kind of like, indistinguishable, right? And she uh, she had a, a foundation of Kabuki is nice to her, and he's kind of a family friend to build on. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's really understandable. I mean, the weird quantum superposition thing is not, but like the rest of it is very understandable. Yeah, I mean, she 
I believe what has clearly happened is that she thinks that she has to become Momoka and Momoka was clearly in love with Tabuki. So she therefore has to be in love with Tabuki and she has convinced herself of this so thoroughly that she has bought into her own delusion. Yeah, specifically she does all the things that Momoka wanted to do. Or that even she will have she thinks yeah. that Momoka wanted to do. Yeah. Well that that like the like what, like ten year old Momoka that had was writing this diary or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this child. Oh my god, is this uh is this Book of Henry? Oh no! No, thank God. I was hope. I was like, oh Whoa, God. What why would you say that? I was like, what if no one gets this joke? But Cass, you're always there for me. <laughs> I am I here for it. you, and I wish I weren't in this moment. It's fine. We don't have to explain it. Uh, that'll just be for the two other people in the audience who got that joke. It's okay. Well, I already mentioned. Sometimes we make jokes just right. for you and to cause me pain. Yep, that's the show. <clears throat> anyway, uh, let's go back to the butthole, Anemone. Stop calling it that. It's not a thing. Stop making it a thing. Oh, we will not. Yeah, she says that she has to become Momoka, then everything precious to me will return. And we descend into the anemone, and Ringo wakes up. And just a survival strategy! Survival tactic! (laughs) I'm so happy you added that to the soundboard. (laughs) Time to rock over Japan. Oh. Got it. This, I love this sequence. This everything standing about the sequence is like my fucking shit. That's so good. Yeah. The music, the like, like the the kind of like vaguely like star space motif, the colors. Uh, just mm. the implication. This this really is an alien because like why would it be a spaceship like this if it wasn't right? Right. Like after- Yep. Oh, so that's just what Ikuni wants you to think. The the fucking sparkle stars. Oh, mm. chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. It is perfect. Why it's a bear? We don't know. But it's a bear. Well, it's a bear so that the other one can be a third bear. Well, and- we can see from the positioning of Kappa and otters and bears, this was just all laying the foundation for his for next two shows. Yeah. Or a couple of it shows. could just be that he just likes all these things. And so they're in here. It's like, oh, I like use them again later because like, I like these. Things. I believe in Ikuhara's <laughs> grand design. <laughs> it's, it's just like that Subasa whatchamacallar for that um they did where all the characters from Clamp. This is just things. exactly like Subasa Reservoir Chronicle. You're so right, Alice. Oh, I also wanted to mention that just like in general, aesthetically, like Himari in this show, she's like aesthetically like softer than everyone else is. Like her colors are a little more muted. Like even like her outlines are like a little they're not as black as everyone else's are. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's because she's she's less alive than most of them. Oh, well, now you made it sad. <laughs> that, that is actually probably why that choice was made. Specifically the outlines. Yeah, she's, like, she's like a little more ethereal than anyone else is, right? Yeah, to she's give her kind of like a, yeah, like a weaker presence. I love this stance she's in right here. Just Listen, like, you little lives. Who will never amount to anything. I, I recently looked on Wikipedia at the summary of Penguin Drum, and it calls the Princess of the Crystals a dominatrix that Himari transforms into. That's not... It's not uh, entirely it's not correct. wrong, is the problem. But also... It's not entirely right, but it's also not entirely wrong, is the problem. Yeah. 
Anyway, obtain the penguin drum. So that's the first time that this has been only one of the two brothers yep. in one of these sequences. Yes, but I think it's the first time that it's just been one of them alone, I think. Yeah. Because the other time we had Ringo, and that was last episode, and she was legendary. Yep. Speaking of which, I love that, like, show gets, like, increasingly meta in these, in this version of the Princess of the, uh, in the Princess of the Crystal segments. This is just like, Okay, you can't just keep doing this. He's got Sionji syndrome. Yeah. I love the, the Kanba, like, dotted line outline when he's not there. <laughs> like, you, you can't just, like, pull me in here and not my brother. What the fuck? He mentions that Ringo brought up the thing about the wedding night and then uh, passed out. And the Princess of the Crystal is not here for anyone's shit and says, I don't care if it's the wedding night or the first mating. You'll let the pervert girl do what she wants, which is an incredible sentence, frankly. Don't say such a distasteful thing using a boy's mouth. You get those words out of my sister's mouth. Yeah. You're a weasel. They call each other weasels. Yeah, she calls him Gedol in Japanese, which I forget what that literally translates to. It's not weasel. But they do this because she she makes a pun off of it that's a rhyming pun in Japanese. And in English, they translate that as, uh, she calls him Weasel Knievel. (laughs) Which is great. I believe they use, they say something else in the English dub, but I don't remember what it was. Because I remember it not being Weasel. The show is absolutely destroyed by Weasel Knievel. He's like, who the hell says stuff like that? And then gets dropped into the pla- into the trapdoor. It's time to initiate the survival strategy. Do you have any thoughts on the difference between tactics and, and strategy in this in the context of this of this translation? I actually think that it's a it's a screw up on the dub's part to use survival tactics because survival strategy is specifically a reference to wild animal behavior. Yes. Makes sense. Oh. Yeah, like, what they're referencing there is, in extreme cases, wild animals will sometimes do things called, you know, they'll have survival strategies. And that's how biologists will describe those kinds of behaviors. Yeah, because on a pedantic note, tactics refers to more of a smaller scope thing. So a survival strategy is something that you do big, like, large-scale behaviorally. Yeah. In this case, what it's probably referring to is the fact that penguins during really intense blizzard conditions will huddle together for warmth and take turns rotating some members of the flock into the center where all the warmth is mm-hmm. and rotating some members toward the edge to kind of keep the cold out. So someone's always exposed to the cold, but someone's always being protected, which I'm going to make a call here because we haven't gotten it confirmed yet but i'm going to make a guess that something's going on with the princess of the crystal where she is she's not just extending himari's life out of nothing someone else <clears throat> kanda is probably having their life kind of iv'd over that's my guess definitely possible i do not remember and penguin here is still reading the the, the grab your bag yeah we get another flashback to a thing that would have happened in this episode otherwise they just didn't show earlier. yep yeah so kanba tried to wake up uh yui and jizuru the two members of his evil ex-girlfriend squad and neither of them know Remember who he him. is much like kuja what was her name 
I almost said Cujo. Cujo in the the other scene. Yeah. And those like bullets that that were shot at them, they like left welts on their forehead. Mm-hmm. Like there is like a circle. Yep. So Ringo's mom sticks her head into Ringo's room and goes like, Hey Ringo, are you okay? Let me know if you want anything. Sleep tight. Because she assumes that Ringo is just asleep. Nope, Ringo put a roll of sheet sheets under her comforter and she has dipped out with it's a, a classic fever. move with a fever to be weird and stalk teacher yeah, she's like on the subway in her pajamas yeah she has a fever there's only one cure no one no one bothered to make sure that this child who was wandering the streets at night and all regular stuff is still under that tarp in the yard yeah when she gets to tabaki so they never had a chance to get back. They like load it underneath the house yet. But no worry, because apparently feverish Ringo has been able to get all this stuff under the house through the grate. She set herself up a little a little play fort with a burner so she could make. She's gonna fucking dinner. asphyxiate down there. That shit. Yeah. Yeah. So she makes herself dinner because the diary says that making dinner together is their first joint task. It's a little burnt, but Tabaki praises me as usual, saying it's delicious. And so, our ordinary life together has begun. Yeah, this is all like you're supposed to Tabaki like, doing like, very normal things. Like, he's cooking dinner, he's watching TV, eating something, he's taking a bath, he's brushing his teeth. However, it's all terrible because of what's happening alongside it in cuts. Yeah, Ringo has, like, rigged up little things so she can kind of approximate what he's doing up there as though she's doing it together with him. And the reason she brought all her stuffies is she needed them to cuddle with tonight. So Tabaki goes to sleep on his futon. Ringo pulls on a nightgown, pulls down a curtain, a sign outside saying wedding night in progress lights up overhead. <laughs> which is probably not literal. No. And with a, with a pink light, it's like red. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she has drawn, or she's actually used scotch tape to make a little outline of a person and put over over top of her and put Tabaki's face on it. Yeah, there's like a, uh, a photograph like pasted where his head would be. Look at this photograph. Yep. And she imagines smooching Tabuki as they cuddle up together. And she says, when the future written in the diary comes true, things precious to me will become eternal. Yeah, it's also very strange that she has like the stuffed, stuffed animals that represent her parents and a picture of herself with her parents watching this. While it's happening. It's all extremely Freudian. (laughs) Anyway, just to make... So, to be clear, Project M is is Ringo wanting to become Momoka, or so we thought, because Natsume is talking with someone on the phone, and she confirms to them she will be setting Project M into motion soon as she pets a rockhopper penguin. Yeah, this is the first time we're actually seeing that penguin outside the... The opening opening credits, I believe. Yes, the the very clear Lady Penguin. Like, look at it. Well, like, Lady Emperor Penguin style. It's I can't can't believe that we finally reached the the black... This is Utsuna at the Black Rose Arc was first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, that's the episode. Yeah, so, like, the, the, the thing about this episode here is that it's very clear, like, that diary, there's something else going on of it. Because, like, both the Prince of the Crystal and um, Natsume apparently need this to happen because in the last episode, when the 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 thing about that the girl getting pushed down the like falling in the subway, 
was in the diary too and she made that happen by pushing it on the fucking escalator right yeah so like it's why like i don't i don't remember or know why that all that is because like this is a diary of a 10 year old girl right yeah so why why is this diary the focal point of the universe no one knows Anyway, time for Dear Your Future. I love this ending music, too. It's so, all the... It's so good. Oh, the it's music good. in the show is so good! Yep. This one definitely went harder, and I like it. Harder, better, faster. Stronger! Stronger. It was good. I really liked this episode, and I feel I really like Ringo, and I'm sorry that her life is sad, and that she is involved in terrible th- crimes. Yeah, like, despite all of the... um gestures vaguely the everything about this episode i do think this is maybe one of the best episodes so far it's all it's all very good a lot of little funny bits get a lot of new information we'll be getting more new information pretty soon about like kind of the i guess what ties it together because you know we're gonna get that eventually which i i'm not gonna say what it is obviously because that's a, a very big spoiler but mm-hmm. it, it may once you once you see it if you're not aware of it, it makes a ton of sense based on like a lot of the like aesthetics, and, like iconic art, the stuff in the show, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it's very clear, like oh, of course, of course, that's what it is. Yeah, it's right. kind of fun that every guest we're going to have on this show has seen at least most of the show before, <laughs> so uh, they get to play the fun game of what am I allowed to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. God, like. Penguin Drum took a couple of episodes to grow on me, but I'm glad that we're watching it. It has been a lot of fun. It's not a bad show. It's just different than other Ikahara works in a way that's like kind of hard to quantify. It, it, mm-hmm. It's different. I- I'll tell you what it is more than like it being different from other Ikahara works. It's that the first three episodes of Mawaru Penguin Drum look you dead in the eye and ask you, how slow of a burn are you willing to put up with? Because... As much as, like, Utna is also kind of a slow burn series in a, in a lot of ways, Utna also leads with, and here's the dueling, you know, ground. Yeah, you get a sword fight, so, like, that helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, here's the dueling ground, here's Anthe, here's, here's all your characters, here's kind of an A to a B that makes a little bit of sense. The closest thing we get to that is the hat reviving Himari, but we don't know what the penguin drum is seven episodes into Mawaru penguin drum. Yeah. Although apparently next episode we might find out what the deal of that is, because the next episode is called The Power of Miracle Requires a Payment. Hey, look, it's a penguin that looks like Jury. Yeah, uh, we have our next episode preview has a penguin that looks like it's wearing a Jury wig and is standing on top of some stairs surrounded by other stairs on a stage it looks like the stage is from um from starlight review it does yes I, yeah it's it's a takarazaka stage and it just as the preview ends penguins two and one do a little trapeze act together or not trapeze you know yeah, it's flying trapeze. It's adorable. So I think soon we're going to find out more how Takarazuka factors into all of this. But uh, we get another Lily Hoshino drawing at the end of the episode, and it is Shoma and Kanba. Comparing their heights. It's very cute. And Shoma's annoyed because Kanba's going like, I'm taller. <laughs> Survival strategy, Weasel Knievel. So that was the episode. It was. 
How do we feel about the episode now that we've watched it? Pretty positive. Yeah, I'm pretty good about the series so far. Because I, I really do not remember much more past, like, maybe the next two episodes after that. I'm like, I don't fucking remember anything. <laughs> do you think that you will watch more as we go through it for the show? Uh, yes, it, it is. It is much easier to engage with this on a weekly basis when I have your podcast. <laughs> right. I'm glad that we're doing a service to the world. <laughs> Yeah, people have been more excited about us starting Penguin Drum than I anticipated, and that's pretty fun. I am excited that so many people seem to be excited that we have started it. Well, it gives me an issue to finally watch it all the way through. (laughs) Maybe that's it. And also, like, not gonna lie, like, you all have, like, very good discussions about them. Like, Alice, you're, you're like a font of, like, esoteric knowledge about, like, philosophy and like shit absolutely true that just like comes in like stuff i did not know and and you both know a lot about this like japanese stuff i have no clue about because i'm not i'm not a huge weeb let's be let's be real here like i watched the anime but i don't really know that much about like japan japan stuff Mm -hmm. at all so like it it is expanding the experience (laughs) but it is it is improving the experience uh, wholly it's a whole holistic thing okay (laughs) all i'm saying is that i'm waiting for the ikuhara show that makes a reference to one of the Kosuke Kindaichi books, so I can finally use this podcast to talk about my love of Japanese mystery novels. That's going to happen when you and I do uh, Imagine Me and Yumi Neko. (laughs) Oh my god, it works. (laughs) Okay, so we're out of Ikuhara after this. Do we make that the next? Um, Excuse you, no we're not. After this, I'm finding someone to translate Chanel Bullets. And I'm forcing you guys to interact with Chanel Bullet for like a year. No, you guys forget that we are obviously doing Imagine Me and Utena 2. Imagine Me and Tutana. <laughs> I mean, I have wanted to go back to Utena, so. We'll, we'll have to do that eventually, but like, we could have an entire October of just doing Imagine Me and Kig Rashi. <laughs> oh, don't threaten me with a good time, Cass. You know I wouldn't. It has been zero episodes since we brought up the When They Cry franchise. Anyway, so yes, I like this episode. I like that we are getting some more insight into Ringo, who I love. And uh, I'm I'm interested in finding out more about Momoka because I have seen her... I don't. I know that the two of you, Alice and Cass, do not know what Momoka looks like, but I've seen her in in fan art and things. Before. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember. I also looked at the wiki earlier to get his name, before so now. I had it written down. So, so I, I was refreshed. I'm I'm interested to see uh, what we learn more about her and all of this because it's very. <laughs> It's very interesting how intense all of the stuff, like with her diary and whatever, seems to be when she was only ten when she died. So. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think it's important to say that we do find out like how that happened. Like, yeah. that is not a stretch to say. Yeah, that, like, we do, we do find out how she died, and it is. Well, yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Actually, that's. I'm just gonna. We'll say that. We find out how she died. And it makes it makes a lot of sense when, when you find out. Yes. So do we have any closing thoughts? Jeff, I know you wrote I know you wrote some notes in preparation. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to? 
Uh, nope, I pretty much hit everything I had written down. Excellent. Uh, Alice, cast. do you guys have any closing thoughts? I really liked this episode. If you know what I mean when I say that um, Ringo is literally just doing the friends from, is a, is a friend of Wigner, um, then please contact me on Twitter. <laughs> I would like to be friends with someone else who knows about the friends of Wigner. Please, I'm begging you. Alice knows that I refuse to read the Gilly books and she needs someone else to talk to about them. Please, for the sake of our marriage, someone, someone out there who has read these weird sci-fi books by Stephen Baxter, contact my wife. <laughs> the Fury is Googling. Who <laughs> <laughs> is fucking typing? That was me. I'm looking this up. I've read a lot of sci-fi. Have I read these? I, I don't know. <laughs> I will send you. I will send you a thing that will explain it, and when you get it, you will feel like you have learned something incredibly useless, but very interesting. I love. I love that. That's exactly the shit I like. All right. So, Cass, do you have any final thoughts? Jeff explaining that like this is the Ikuhara's prestige drama anime really kind of got me because that is kind of the feel I'm getting here. A lot of prestige dramas don't grip me in their first episode but they're designed to like kind of get better as they go as more and more pieces fit into place and things that you know much like any and and all the ikuhara shows do this to some extent where like things you saw early on get recontextualized by stuff later Mm -hmm. this is the first time where like it's not that things are so much being fully recontextualized as like here is a mystery, here is the solution to that mystery, here is all the mysteries unlocked that confuse the solution you have just been given. It's sort of the story structure of the last couple of episodes. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I want to know what's going on with Natsume, I want to know what's going on with Kanba, because he's clearly got- Kanba has been all but absent for a couple of episodes now. He has mysterious machinations going on. Yeah, I mean, the last episode, he, like, what? They got a big envelope full of money from somebody that is not explained. Which I think the implication is he got it from a loan shark, but how? Yeah. Like, why did this loan shark loan money to a high schooler? Like, that is actually illegal, even in Japan. Hmm. But he says that the money is clean to his uncle, so what's going on there? How did he get that? Is he doing crimes? Is he the weed grower kid from Sara's On No, that was more of a... It's more Shoma that looks like Toei. I know, right? Eternal recurrence. It's impossible to know. We'll just never find out. The world may Especially not know. Especially not in the next 20 episodes. <laughs> I, I'm really excited for the rest of Penguin Drum now, and I, I kind of hope that, you know, I know Ikuhara well enough to know that, like, this is going somewhere that even if it's not immediately satisfying, will at least be exciting to be along on the ride for. And I'm deeply, deeply invested now in like, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm deeply, deeply invested in seeing where this whole beautiful mess ends up. All aboard. I, I, I also kind of hope that Ringo, like, Someone needs to tell Ringo to, like, have any kind of self-worth. This poor kid has put her everything into being her sister. And the only explanation that makes sense for her behavior is that her parents understand that something's wrong. But because they are so wrapped up in their own lives since the divorce with their careers and everything else, neither of them have quite twigged onto the fact that Ringo is uh, 
the extent of which it is wrong is not they're not aware of yet. Yeah. yeah. By the way, like thing that I just kind of noticed and I'm gonna throw out here as we wrap up, now that we know that Ringo's dad at least when she was very, very young, she remembers him being the one who was adamant in, no, we should, like, go out of our way to show, to express our love for the daughter we have who's still alive. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting that she's living with her mom. Yeah. Like, in custody battles, the mother is usually favored. At least in American custody battles, I don't know if we know that much about Japanese, Japanese courts. Uh, blah, blah, yeah, which... But I'm under the impression that there's kind of a similar thing there where it's like the wishes of the kids are kind of weighted and often it will go to the mother. Uh-huh. But even accounting for that, like, it's interesting that however the split happened, Ringo is not living with her father. Yeah. So, you know, number one, her mom must clearly still love her, regardless of whatever hang-up she has over Momoka. And number two, I wonder... I wonder why that, whether that something else has happened in the intervening years as mm-hmm. the two of them began to split up. Yeah, it, it honestly, it does seem like her mom is probably, she has not, like, she has dealt with those feelings probably more than Ringo has. Because Ringo also, it seems like this happened when she wouldn't even aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, this is all, like, secondhand, like, trying to recapture stuff. But her mom has been at least 10 years at this point, right? So, mm-hmm. like, whether you want to or not, people are going to start, those feelings are going to start fading a little bit with that amount of time, right? Even if you're really, really, really torn about something. Like, it just happens because, like, you can only hold on to it for so long before until it starts, like, slipping away from you. Mm-hmm. Well. But I don't know. I don't remember. Hmm. That's been episode six of Penguin Drum. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. uh, I guess if we don't have any more final thoughts, listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at... Cast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at mpandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me at Lyrewolf, L-Y-R-E-W-U-O-F. And Cass, what would you like to plug tonight on this podcast? I'm glad you asked. Do you like ro- real robots, cool robots, real cool robots, and any combination thereof? I sure do. Big Steppy, and you can get yourself all of them in abundance as we podcast about them. I am there and Alice is there. Panda is there, but only in spirit as our editor. You can find the official Twitter account for the show at SteppyCast on Twitter. I am there in the presence of the random audio clips that I insert into episodes. Which, to be yes. fair, is a huge part of the show's identity, so... Lo- I love that shit. <laughs> I love those, those editor cut-ins. <laughs> and, uh, Jeff, do you... Where can people find you online? Do you have anything to plug? Should you wish to be found online? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter as uh, HeyBoots. Uh, I don't post that much, but every October I do retweet like uh, a thousand witch drawings because like people do those the whole month. So that's that's cool. So if you want to see that, you can follow me. Which is different from the rest of the year where you only reblog about a hundred witch drawings. Well, there's just less of them in other months is the problem. <laughs> But they're still there, and I find them. Uh, I-, I like this this plug, uh, just like the Cosmo VTubers. They're great. Like, <laughs> I pretty much don't watch anime much anymore. It's just the streamers with avatars. It's the, it's cool. Do you have any specific VTubers you would like to plug? Yeah, uh, Nyanus is pretty good. Iron Mouse is pretty great. 
Maru, who a friend of the show, friend of the show, is, is fun. Uh, she does like gunplus streams on the weekend. If you like like making those robots, you can do that shit. Um, a lot of Nijisanji is also very funny. They're all great. Uh, there's a lot of drama in this space because they're streamers, so you know streamer drama happens. But like, I don't care about that shit. I just ignore it <laughs> because I I am a reasonable adult who does not care. <laughs> You're an adult man in your thirties who watches anime girls build plastic robots. Please, these are anime women. Okay, they're adults. <laughs> Uh, you know what? You are so right. <laughs> yeah, you are so right. Listeners, if you would like to support this show, you can find the Patreon at utanacast.com or imaginemeinutana.com. And if you would like to get in contact with us, you can either add us on Twitter or you can email us at imaginemeinutana at gmail.com or you can uh, fill out the form, the Google form that is in our pinned tweet. Or if we've talked before, you can do like Jeff and just send me a DM and ask to come on the show. Yeah, take the initiative, <laughs> losers. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's all the things. If it's not, um, it's like 10, 15 and I'm tired. So on uh, the, I'm going to count down from three. And so on the count of one, we will all try to say survival tactic. All right. Three. Two, one, survival, survival tactic! tactic! We got there.